When Chris first did episodes with Dateline, he was a national figure, but he wasn't quite as well known. When these guys come in now, on the way there, they're like, God, I hope this isn't Chris Hansen. I hope my life isn't over. So, but there's how many thousands of cities in the United States? What are the odds Chris Hansen's gonna be in this house? When they see his face now, they're like, in 2015, I watched like the biggest crime docuseries in the history of the world, Making a Murderer. And I was totally blown away and impressed by it. And I thought these cops were awful and this state must be so corrupt. And about two weeks later, I read an article in the New Yorker about how what I watched was complete BS. All the things they left out, all the emotional manipulation that went into it. And I said, one day someone's going to make a heck of a response to this and tear it apart. And I'm going to sit in there on my couch with popcorn. And I'm going to watch every minute of it. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I am here with Sean Reck, and he is a documentary producer and the co-founder of a streaming uh, network that we're going to be talking about. And so it's going to be a great interview. Check it out. That's about as good as I get. Yeah, that's it's not. It's not Chris Hans. No, that's all right. So, um, all right. So can I, can we, can we start with like, tell me like where you were born, like how you got into this, that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I was, I was born in Independence, Missouri. Uh, but at three years old, my family moved to North Olmsted, Ohio, basically Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I've been in that area the, you know, ever since I was three, so 55 years. Um, I uh, was a, a terrible student. Uh, <laughs> Were your parents journalists or anything? Or No, my father was a banker and my mom was just a homemaker and, you know, did, you know sold cosmetics on the side. Right. But I started my school newspaper in fourth grade. Oh, okay. So, well, you know, I, I had the bug, you know, the that's telling, yeah. news, news telling bug. And I found a letter the principal wrote my parents saying, boy, maybe he'll, maybe he'll get into the news one day, you know? So I guess it was there at a pretty young age. Okay. Why? Well, I mean, you, I mean, you're saying it was a, it was just, you, you just found it interesting or yeah, I just, was I, it an avenue to something else or just. Well, it, I started filmmaking at 43 years old. Right. Oh, okay. It's my third career. I had I owned a couple of businesses before that. One successful, one not successful. And uh, that's kind of my entrepreneurial education. Then I was the editor of a trade magazine for the apartment industry for a few years. And then uh, my boss at the time said, I, I can tell you have that entrepreneurial bug. I'm going to help you out. Let's, let's get you doing something, you know, your own business again. And I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. So I thought that I would use factual programming, you know, documentary film as a stepping stone to get into scripted film. Right. And, uh, but I never really, never I still that. haven't done a scripted film. <laughs> you know, this documentary stuff is, I hit it at a good time. It's starting to work out pretty well. Right. What was, so you started that, that company. What was the first documentary you? First documentary I did was, um, called a murder in the park. It was in 2014. And, uh, Ended up on Netflix and Showtime, but it was a, a double wrongful conviction in Ohio. I think the only place you can watch it now, if, if you don't rent it or buy it on iTunes or Amazon, I think you have to go to AMC Plus. They, they hold the rights for five more years. So if somebody wants to see it, that's where you have to go. It's a, it, it was named to Time Magazine's list of the fa 15 most fascinating true crime stories ever told. And it was about a double wrongful conviction in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, I guess my claim to fame is that I think I'm the only filmmaker who's walked three people out of prison who were either wrongfully convicted or over sentenced. And it wasn't our work that walked them out, but I'm saying we documented right. the efforts to get them out and, and made a movie about it. Yeah. It's funny. The, the over sentenced is, you know, people always talk about, you know, wrongful convictions and, you know, nobody ever seems to be, be concerned about being, you know, overly sentenced. Like this guy should have got five years. He's doing 35 years, you know, yeah. like that happens across the board, but nobody ever really looks into that. Know. Cause they're like, Oh, everybody has to throw away the key mentality. Right. And, uh, sentencing disparity is a huge problem. I right. used to run the crime stoppers TV show in Miami and a lot of people who were caught as a result of tips from our show cop to like a uh, secondary homicide and did like six and a half years they're out you know right. but I, I know a guy in cleveland a county commissioner who let someone build him a pizza oven 
then took a free trip to Las Vegas. I don't think he benefited, and he put it all on his ethics report. He was sentenced to 28 years in federal prison. He just got out, and he's still on home arrest, house arrest till 2030. That's the sentencing disparity situation in the United States. I, I'm going to make a movie about it one day, and it's it's going to be shocking to people. I, I hope uh, that, that's a movie I care more about all eyeballs than money because right. we've we've got to fix this. This is uh, part of the reason people don't trust the justice system is is things like sentencing disparity. Right. Yeah, I was going to say I can't tell you how many people I, I could listen. I could list off twenty people right now that for you know some kind of fraud charge where they they were offered three years and they felt like they didn't do anything wrong like it wasn't a blatant fraud or maybe they felt like mm -hmm. you know I, I i just don't feel like i deserve three years like i can get probation or whatever and they said okay well then i'm gonna go to trial because i think i can actually beat this at trial they go to trial they end up with 20 years or 19 years 17 no, that, years. that's the court punishing them from punishing them for making them work right right or really yeah, what that is you for know? their um yeah yeah exactly for uh, executing you know their their constitutional rights. Like I should be, able, I'm allowed to go to trial. Mm -hmm. So I go to trial. It doesn't make sense that you're saying it's worth, you're the prosecutor. You're saying three years is, is reasonable. Well, then I went to trial and you found me guilty. Why is now 19 years reasonable? Mm -hmm. Like what happened? You're right. It's punishment. They want to set an example for other people to take the plea. Right. Because they don't have the time to try all these cases. Well, that means that we're not putting enough money into the court, build a bigger courthouse, hire more judges, Hire more prosecutors and, and and take care of it instead of having this flawed system. Yeah, but that's 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 not a good sound bite to get pup to get uh, to be um, elected. It's yeah. much easier to lock them up and throw away the key. And well, that's always that's, worked. I mean, yeah. look, Bill Clinton switched to that philosophy, and 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 look what he did to to he, people of color in America with that crime bill. You yeah, know, he built more prisons than anybody. Yeah, well, he's still apologizing for it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's not that doesn't help much. No, it doesn't help when you're after you do all that time, you know. Yeah, I was used to say it was funny because there would be uh, black guys in prison who brought, you know, it was like you you brought a you brought a gun to a ten dollar crack sale, and now you're doing twenty years. Yeah, there's a gun like, spec, wow. gun spec. Ohio, Ohio, you can get a speeding ticket, but if you're a felon and you have a and somebody left a weapon in your glove box. You, that, it's three. There's no way out of the three years. Yeah. Oh, I know a guy who got 15 years for, he bought a car. He said, he, listen, he said, I bought this car for like 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Bought a car, $500. He said it was a piece of garbage. Like, I mean, the, you know, like the taillights are broken. Just the whole thing's messed up. He said, but, you know, I bought it and probably, he said, I, I don't have the money to really fix it up. I'm driving it to work and back, trying to get the money to fix it up. Got pulled over one day, car, because he'd been arrested before several times for selling drugs got searched when during the search they found an ak-47 bullet in the back amongst a bunch of other just crap in the car 15 years wow yeah and he, he was like yeah uh you know i was in possession that they did that as they connected that as being in him being in possession of a firearm he's like i didn't have a firearm i didn't know it was there but i have been arrested multiple times so he should have gotten he should have gotten, you know, three years for a felt. Let's say if he was in possession of a firearm, three years for a felon in possession of a firearm. But because he'd been arrested multiple times, uh, he they they double or triple, right? So they triple mm -hmm. the um uh the the mandatory minimum. So he ended up with like fifteen years. Those are draconian laws. It's the same as same as Michigan with that six fifty lifer law. That, you know, I made a movie called White Boy about Richard Worshey Jr. This is a juvenile non-violent offender who was doing life as an adult he had right. grandkids over something that happened when he was 15 or 16 years old and it was really just retribution for him cooperating with the fbi to try and take out the mayor right whose family were a bunch of heroin dealers allegedly so you know it's it's uh th these laws exist and they're politicians trying to get elected look we're doing something about crack right crack is coke yeah, you know what I mean. It's not. It's don't act like it's something different because it, it's it's um, ubiquitous in the black community. Everybody knows now that that's that's it's just it's just free based coke, or ready rock coke. Yeah, and how, how do you determine that it's fifty times more addictive? Like that was the whole thing. Was it was a one to the ratio was like one to fifty if it was crack, right? Cocaine is awfully addictive. I don't know if you can. I don't know how they can make that distinction. Right. That's that what I'm saying. Like, like how do you how do you say yeah, but it. Uh, this is 
this is addictive, but this is now you've turned it into crack. It's 50 times, 50. Where'd no, you get probably 50 about, times? Probably about three times. Right. But that, you know? you said that was the ratio. Like if you had the same amount of powder and you had the same amount of weight in crack, it was the ratio for the sentencing guidelines was 50 times well, more. Well, it's a different substrate. So that's just insanity. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's a different substrate. They added in the baking soda and they turned it into something else and it fluffed up and it like, you know, that's just, that's insanity to sit yeah. there and make some physical comparison and then use that to quantify, uh, you know, the, the how addictive it is. That's just silly. That's just, yeah. that, that was the hysteria in the 80s. I was just saying, they didn't I, know how to react to it. Yeah, but they didn't fix it until it was it was in the 2000s when it got fixed. Because I was in prison when guys were getting released. Guys with 25 years, 30 years sentences were they had already done like 10 years when they realized, oh, they should have been sentenced to six years. Immediate release. And they let them go. They fixed it with broken windows. And that's being abandoned now. But that's really how they fixed it. Bill Bratton fixed it in the city. And and you know, that that was the that was the thing that that worked the best. I just interviewed Grady Judd two days ago. He still does it in Polk County. Their crime is very under control. Yeah. Uh, people know not to mess around in Polk County. You know, he says F around and find out. I was, I, mean, gonna, I love Grady Judd. I, yeah. I mean, he, you got to admit he's hilarious. Oh my but. God. His sound bites. I mean, I, I can, I, I could start a bumper sticker business off my one hour interview with him. You know, um, like I can just isolate those lines. <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, so you, you did uh white boy, right? You know, um, uh, you know Seth? Yeah, I know oh, Seth really well. Okay. Seth's here. Yeah, yeah, I know. We just had fan. we just had breakfast with him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Seth, Seth. He's been on my channel. Uh, he's been on a few times. I met Smith. I met, I met Seth when I did Murder in the Park. He was writing a piece for Vice or somebody, and he interviewed me. And then afterwards, he's like, "I want to get into filmmaking." Yeah. So I, I you know, I said, sure, "I'll help anybody. Let's raise the water level, and all the boats go up." And uh, and then he he, I. I I heard about Rick Wershey Jr. and he said, oh, I know Rick. I said, oh, well, you're my connection then. Right. And then uh, he brought in Scott Bernstein who knew Johnny Curry and Nate Boonecraft and all the people we used in that film to make it so interesting. Yeah, he's told me, like the story you just told me, he told me the exact same thing, only he was he was very gracious about you. Know, you. He's like, like he, was, he was willing to let, to show me how to do it. Yeah. Like he was super excited. Like I remember when he told, he told the story on the show and he was, you know, he was, he was, he was very thankful that you had. I share yeah. anybody who has any questions. I share. I'm blunt. Yeah. If, if they show me their work and it sucks, I'm going to tell them it sucks. I think, I think some of our early work sucks. Right. You know, if, if, it, if you can look back and it doesn't, you know, certain aspects of the filmmaking and our sound, if, if you can look back and not see problems, you're probably not doing it right. You have to get better with each project. Um, so what. And the, the white boy Rick thing, that actually, it actually did like, I think Seth said you guys put it out and it did okay. And then yeah. like a year or two later, suddenly it just blew up, right? It blew up because Netflix licensed it and, and it wasn't a good license fee. White boy Rick is like our white boy he, and he doesn't like being called that, but uh, white boy, the film, I, I didn't call it white boy. My agents changed the name. Yeah. It was called 650 Lifer, kind of a boring name. Okay, but I still was going to have the cartoon and brick, you know, on the cover. It was still a popular poster. But um, we self-distribute. Well, my agents told me Netflix was going to buy it and make an original. For Netflix original, 90 minutes, you usually count on about a million two. Cost us $306,000 to make. So I was like, all right, we're going to make a profit. This yeah. is cool. The agent takes a cut. But And then uh, there was a Me Too crisis at Amazon, and they uh, stopped buying and they were the only ones writing big checks to compete with Netflix. They had to keep up with each other. So Netflix said a uh, six-month moratorium on buying. And uh, I mean, not Netflix, uh, Amazon. Yeah. And then Netflix had a field day. And they were like, uh, they were like, now nah, we think it's worth a lot less. You know, I don't know. Maybe we'll just license it later. And, you know, they're like, what else are you going to do? And I, that pissed me off when, when, yeah. when I was through my agents was told, you know, what else are you going to do? You don't, you're not in, in control here. And ever since that day, I've been trying to make sure there was something else I could do. Right. You know, and that's why, that's why I own a crime streaming service right now, because if somebody else doesn't want to license it, I'll buy it from me and throw it in my crime streamer and show it. To, and now we, we were just awarded a network. Is that when you started that or you just started what, the process? No, of, that's when I started the thinking process. Okay. Of, and, I, and then I started, 
another SVOD, a subscription video on demand company where you pay four or five dollars a month, and like a little Netflix, but my own little Netflix that was for a religious movie called AGTV. So we started to watch AGTV.com. And then for crime, I started True Blue, which is watchtrublu.com. And that that literally has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of true crime, including all the new Chris Hansen Predator episodes that are called Takedown with Chris Hansen. And those it's gripping, gripping television. So what happened with the the um you know the Chris with Chris Hansen and um the to catch a predator, what, like whatever. I don't know. I think exactly. they got too expensive to make. I mean, those okay. they, they were paying like five hundred fifty thousand dollars an episode. Oh, okay. We can make them for like ten. Right. You know, the cops do all the work. We just document it, and they let Chris walk out. They get great PR because people see their tax dollars at work. Bad guys are deterred from going to that county. You know. Right. And um, well, initially, the cops weren't doing anything. The episodes were coming out, and the cops weren't involved. Like they, yeah. they would give it to the cops. They'd bring bring all, um, all yeah. the footage to the cops and show them the episode in the ear. And then the cops but didn't they, do anything. Well, because they couldn't show proper chain of custody evidence. They couldn't, you know, uh, if you edit it. There are a lot of reasons that they. Some of those guys were prosecuted. Um, but the, the police got involved pretty quickly. I was going to say, then. well, then you guys started bringing them in. Or that wasn't or, me, you know. You, that, sorry, that was yeah, but that was uh, Dateline and NBC. But uh, I just think the show got too expensive, and that's why that's why they they kind of uh, just said, you know, there's no payoff here. Now, little do they know, since then, I think on YouTube collectively there are like five billion views yeah. of those things. So you know, they didn't know what they had on their hands and what was coming with the media landscape. That 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 thing is beautiful, and now. We're doing quite well with it. He, um, right. So eventually he, he left there, yep. left Dateline, right? Yep. He, then he went to, he did some specials for Discovery, some really deep dives, spent years like uncovering some, some crazy stuff, uh, even on like social media influencers. And he started a podcast and, you know, he does cameos and he's just a, he just, a, he's a very, very hardworking person. And he just never quits. And, you know, I talked to him the other day. I said, hey, how, how are we going to handle you retiring? He's 64. He's like, retire? <laughs> what you know? am I going to do? I'm not going to retire. He, he likes this. This is fun for him, you know. And, oh. the new, and the new the new guys are so bad now. They're so much worse than the old Predators. So and people are going to be shocked if they go to True Blue and watch these episodes. We have 70-year-olds trying to buy 13-year-old girls off their stepdads. You know, it's it's wild stuff. So you, I, I don't know if you know this. I mean, I know they, they you know, these guys. We're we're at CrimeCon right now, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and you know, you were approached by Tyler and and Colby, and you know, and you're here. So I don't know if you probably don't know anything about my backstory, but but I was actually I was in federal prison. So I was in a prison um, called Coleman. It's Coleman Federal Prison. It's a complex. It's about an hour north of Tampa. It's and so it's got Rick was there. Who, huh? Rick Worshi was at Coleman, I believe, for a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, he was probably in a pen or in the pen or the medium. Mm -hmm. I was at the low. I was at the medium for about three years, and then I did like nine years uh, at the low. But in the low, 40, maybe 50% of the 2,000 inmates that are there have a sex offense. And listen, and so I can't tell you, like, these guys were constantly. They were just, they were just, they're, they're just, they've got problems. They have such problems. There's just, you know, they would try and justify their crimes. They would, they would, they would argue that it shouldn't, this shouldn't be illegal or I shouldn't be here. And, you know, of course the running joke with all of them was, you know, that Chris Hansen got them. Like, bro, what, like, how'd you end up oh, here? Really? Did, you, did, did you walk into the kitchen thinking you were, there was like, you were going to meet a, Thought you were going to meet a sexually curious, you know, twelve-year-old girl, and it ended up being Chris, you know, Chris Hansen walk out. Here's the craziest thing about the new episodes. So, when Chris first did episodes um, with Dateline, he 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 was a national figure, but he wasn't quite as well known. Right. People may not have known why they know him or why they recognize him. So when he would walk out, in their minds, they're like, "Is this her father? Yeah, Is this a federal agent? He's yeah, wearing they, a suit." And he would say, sit down, and they would sit down. Yeah, well, he has authority in his right. voice, okay? And they'd sit down. Uh, South Park made a very funny thing about it where right. Cartman kept trying to walk away, and he'd go, have a seat, and he'd walk backwards and get back on the seat. <laughs> but when these guys come in now, this is what's so so crazy. They they all know who he is. Yeah. So 
on the way there, they're like, God, I hope this isn't Chris Hansen. I hope my life isn't over. So, but there's how many thousands of cities in the United States? What are the odds Chris Hansen's going to be in this house? They walk in. The the new they used to say have a sweet tea you know now yeah. now it's like oh my weeds upstairs you know they right. modernized it you know I'll be right back and then Chris will walk out somewhere between them and the front door so they can't get to the front door and because they don't just sit down anymore no well they will they usually do when but when when they see his face now they crumble they're like I lost the Chris Hansen lottery man I, I oh my god. That's him. And some of them fan out. Like, you do a great job. I love your show. I'm wait, I'm not that. Yeah. I'm not. No. I have the transcripts. No, I was coming to save her. You know? <laughs> I was gonna talk her out of it. Yeah. yeah. I was coming as one guy said, I was coming to pay her for it today so she wouldn't have to do it today. Why don't you understand me? And he brought a thing of weed, jar of weed this big and <laughs> yeah. four condoms. Got, yeah, I was going to say, if he's got two bottles of KY and a box yeah, of condoms yeah. and a video camera, it's uh, like, eh, I don't feel like you're being honest. Yeah. But the, the, that's why I'm telling you, the new, the new ones are wild. And they'll sit there. One guy talked so much that we had to say, all right, well, all right, well thank you. Because the ne next guy was coming, you know, and this guy was like talking about his shrink and trying to help him 20 years ago with his problem and his fantasy because he was a dork in high school and he never had a girl as a teen and that stuck in his head. And like these guys, this is like, like taxi cab confessions of people who can't control their sexual urges. If you remember that show. Uh, yeah i remember taxi yeah. cab uh, confessions um i'm an old guy i make assumptions like that yeah if i say um, that to oh, a 20 year old they're like who are you talking about i'm, I'm, I'm 54 i'm 58 yeah, yeah so. so i was telling you said listen these guys you know I'm, I'm complaining as we're going down the stairs like my, my knee hurts my back hurts my mm -hmm. and they're like why would you do i'm like oh, i'm just old stuff just starts hurting for two days and then it stops if i'm lucky and mm -hmm. um yeah it's funny the uh not funny but like there would suddenly the FBI would bust. Um, they would get a hold of some kind of a a server or a website or something, and they they take down like three hundred guys who were paying, and these guys are paying like six hundred dollar car payments to be a part of a website where somebody is, you know, a child for several years, and then somebody gets busted for something else, then they go they work with the fbi and then they they bust all of these guys and suddenly over the course of six months we get 60 guys that were a part of this website at at coleman you know at the prison i was what um with with at um <laughs> we weren't so uh yeah and they would show up and it would just it was it was uh it was insane and there were there were two guys from nasa that were there with for, with the yeah. with yeah there were these are guys school teachers the pr the principal of a school um of like an elementary school i mean just this um, the the amount of people that show up there that have these crimes it's just it, it's it's insane and and it's like you know you you know you had to know better you know and then they try and justify it and the the whole thing so but there's so many of them now that like in if you go to were to go to state they they have a pro major problem. They go to a federal low. There's the lows are so pop overly populated with them. They really, it's just prison. It's not as bad as like, they're all like, Oh, they'll get killed in prison. No, they won't. They won't because they'll send them to a low security prison. And unless it's extremely egregious where they, you know, hurt someone, murdered someone. If it's, if it's, they looked at some pictures or they, made an attempt or something along those lines, then they're actually going to be fine. They'll come, they'll do five or 10 years and they'll go home. They'll register. They'll try and put their life to, back together, which I'm sure is an impossibility. But yeah, it's, it's uh, there's just, cause there's so many and it's cause of programs like that, that I think kind of took this thing that was going on that people weren't paying attention to and blew it up. Yeah. And now suddenly the the FBI and they have like whole divisions dedicated to it let me tell you a fascinating story and i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil my own grady judd special nice grady judd told me he goes we were doing this like in the 70s and early 80s before there was an internet i go how they go well 
in every town, people kind of get a feel for who's creepy. Right. And it's like, why is this guy always at the park without a kid, with a puppy? You know, letting kids pet his puppy and sitting there for three hours watching the kids. Why is this bus driver patting kids on the butt when they walk in the bus? You know, so moms would come in and say, is this a crime? And they go, not quite yet. So what Grady did, what Lieutenant Grady Judd did was, and and, and he was taught this by someone else, he said, he said, all you have to do, he goes, they can't help themselves. They they cannot, it's like sending a heroin addict a sack in the mail, all right? They're going to stare at it for a few days, you know, cite some lines to themselves, some mantras, but then they're going to, you know, likely going to do it, okay? So they can't help themselves. He said, we would write, I can't, hello, Dave, I can't tell you who I am yet, but I'm going to admit some things. I think we have a few things in common. Um, Look at the pictures below. Take off the ones that are not for you and send this back to P.O. Box, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to have a surprise for you. And they would take and cut pictures of child models out of the Sears catalog. Right. All different looks. And they'd put 12 of them on. And they'd get this paper back at the P.O. Box a few days later from that guy with four faces chosen. Right. And they would start a pen pal relationship for years where they, 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 they would get themselves. They would just get all the fantasies out of them. And then they would be like, well, you can buy a little girl in Jamaica for right. $8,000. I have, I have, to, would, could, would you share her? I have $2,700. Do you have, you know, uh, 5,300? And the guy would conspire to commit a federal crime and all this stuff. And then they would get him and they, they, it was proactive. Right. It was proactive crime fighting. It's like minority report, but the analog. Right. I was going to say. All the work they put into it. And I, that just blew my mind. That's so smart. Is it entrapment? Borderline? Is it the right thing to do? Yeah. I was going to say like what? I mean, how, many, how many kids need to get hurt before you get that guy? Well, and they can't go to trial. You know what I'm saying? They like they're gonna have to take a plea. They're gonna have to like if they say, "Oh, well, it's entrapment." I'm gonna go to trial. Go to trial. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you're gonna get on that jury that you're gonna read those letters to. That's gonna be okay with you, right? That's gonna say this is entrapment. This went on for, you know, a year or six months or whatever. And you wrote these letters. You weren't forced to answer these these questions. So, but yeah, um, it's funny. I I, I always you know that like I, I forget what the statute what the statistic is, but it's like. 80% of um, sex offenders say that they were sexually molested, you know, as children. I mean, that's probably true. Right. But, and, and, and I'm always like, you know, and I always think to myself, you know, and I think about that and I think, yeah, okay, so I get it. So you were probably, you were created and that's, and I, and that, and, and in you a, were male formed. It's a male formation. Right. So, I, and I feel for you and that, mm-hmm. and you're a victim and I feel bad for you, mm-hmm. but, but you're that, dangerous. Right. Exactly. But you can't let mon- no, no matter how, even though these were created, you can't let monsters roam the countryside, mm-hmm. you know, and is it, un- yeah. it's, it's unfair, but you have to protect for society. It's from almost you. like, I wish there was banishment. Like there were, there was hundreds of years ago where we had an Island. It's like create your own society. Right. That's what Australia was. Yeah. Yeah. A prison. You- it's where the England shipped their the the the, the, the ne'er do wells, right. and they were like, ah, oh, you know, they had kids, and they're like, what are we doing over here? Let's just start a real country, you know. And they did, and it's a great country, but that's that's an amazing story too. But yeah, I, I I agree with you. So, what are you doing now? The well, uh, I just f- uh, finished a docu series that we spent six over six years on. Um, in 2015, I watched like the biggest crime docuseries in the history of the world making a murderer and i was totally blown away and impressed by it and i thought these cops were awful and this state must be so corrupt and felt really bad for this guy in prison and especially bad for his his nephew who was developmentally disabled right and uh about two weeks later i read an article in the new yorker about how what i watched was complete bs all the things they left out all the emotional manipulation that went into it. And I murder in the park had just come out and I was happy because making a murderer was making me money. Cause when people were done binging, they were like, I want more like this. And making a murder was very similar. 
with a better ending. So, you know, a more fulfilling ending. Me, okay. My first right. movie. So, um, I was happy with making a murder because it was helping our industry. And it's, it's the reason we get paid so much now. Um, we used to be beggars. Now, now we get paid a lot to make this right. true crime stuff and this factual programming. But um, I found that it was all BS. One day, someone's going to make a heck of a response to this and tear it apart. And I'm gonna, sitting there on my couch with popcorn. I'm going to watch every minute of it because somebody has to protect our industry. We're starting to do well, and we can't screw it up for us crime filmmakers by putting out BS that nobody trusts. We've got to police ourselves. We need a code of ethics. And I waited around a couple of years, and there was nothing in the works. Then Tom Fassbender and Ken Kratz saw a murder in the park, and they said they contacted Andrew Hale, an attorney in Chicago, who was my partner in a murder in the park. And they said, you guys are the first people to expose the innocence industry. I didn't know what that was. You know, who, who were those two people? I'm, I don't know who that. Uh, Ken Kratz and Tom Fassbender are two of the many bad guys in law enforcement in a making a murder. Okay. Making a murder. Okay. And they're like, we trust you with our story. So I, he, Andy pulls me in. I, I talked to these guys and I said, look, um, we are independent documentarians and we're going to tell the truth. And if we find that you did anything wrong, we're going to document that and film them sending you to prison or whatever, you know, so just you're not controlling this show. I have creative control. I have final cut. This is not your movie. They're like, all right, we have nothing to hide. So I move forward and all of a sudden I'm making the response piece. Well, it took years and years to do, and it was just a very intense thing legally. You know, I, I've never spent more on attorneys. We had this reviewed multiple by multiple teams of attorneys. Make sure we're not libeling, slandering. Make sure all the fair use is correct, of course. And this thing's finally done. And I was totally blackballed in Hollywood. I, I was oh, just, okay. 100 sorry. million built-in viewers, you know, waiting for something. What were you going to say? Well, one I was going to say is, do you, you know, like people don't realize that like, Somebody has to fund all of this because this is all it's a their long process. You have to hire all the editors, you have to mm -hmm. hire the the um the the team, the cameramen, that you know, the sound guys, you gotta hire everybody, unless you have your own or you have to you know go out and hire them. You have to either you're flying your own people across the country or you're mm -hmm. getting local people and they have to be competent. So, you know, it's a ton of money. And yeah. then so most of the way that typically the way that's done is you make a sizzle reel or, you know, you make a deck, you make mm -hmm. a sizzle reel. That's the Hollywood program. Right. You go out, you try and get funding from Netflix or mm -hmm. Amazon or whoever, you know, Apple, mm -hmm. they give you a budget of, you know, half a million dollars or 2 million or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. And then you spend the next year putting it together. You edit it and then, you know, they revise it a few times, but, or you sure do. Yeah. Or sure you go revise. in mm -hmm. as a production company and you put up that money. Yep. That's called making and, it on spec. And we always make on spec. Really? That's uh, yep. hugely like risky. It's yeah. But, but you it, get, let me explain the free reign though. Let me explain the payoff. Well, first of all, I don't have to take notes. Okay. All right. I don't want to take notes. I don't want the new coked out 22 year old guy in charge of our project to call me at two in the morning and say, Take out the most important guy in the movie. I don't like him. You know what I mean? And then you have to do it. The other problem with doing a, a co-production in Hollywood is you're limited. A lot of people only make like 15% of, of, of the budget. And then if you hit a home run, there's the, there are these little bonuses, but you can't do anything. I made a movie once for, I made a movie once for $370,000 that has made us almost $5 million. All right, so th 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 that's like winning the lottery. Right. I I won the lottery on convicting a murderer too, but I almost it almost didn't get seen. I almost put it on YouTube, just just for it to get seen. And and uh, you know we paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to make this thing, but I, I was so blackballed in Hollywood. I'm a high functioning autistic. All right, so I, I I get I have really naive ideas sometimes. That's why I take some of these huge risks. I thought you know what, let's make it look kind of like making a murder in case Netflix wants to own up to what they've done right? and buy it and just make it making a murder season three. That's how naive I was. Everybody's Very like, unlikely. Everybody's like, you're crazy. They're in the middle of a lawsuit. They're not going to admit they're wrong. Right. So yeah, I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So, but we wanted to kind of keep the look and feel a little bit just so that, you know, fans of the show are comfortable and don't have to like get used to how we're doing our, our storytelling. Um, 
but I, when I went to, I went to my agents who sold everything else, told me I was a permanent client. Okay. And they named a few other very prominent directors. You're, they were, you're, you, this one, this one, and this one, those are our only permanent clients. I was like, that's such an honor coming from you guys this right. is in New York, you know? So I came to them with a slate. We do six to eight projects at a time. And I go, well, look at this. And they're like, great, cool. Oh, I, that's good for Hulu. That's, oh, Oxygen's going to want that. Okay. And I get to convicting a murder. It was the last one on my list. I go, 100 million built-in viewers waiting to see this. They're going to they're gonna watch it. You're going to get the eyeballs. It's going to be a mind blower. They're like, we don't even want to talk about this. Right. I go, why? They go, we we co-produce with Netflix all of our big docu series, and they're great docu series. Are all Netflix docu series? Like we can't do this to them. Yeah, yeah. We can't. Well, it's more this. like what they'll do to them. They'll suddenly stop working with them. I don't they know. Don't, they just they don't, don't want to shoot themselves in the foot. I don't know if Netflix would have stopped working with them. I, I don't know that Netflix didn't want anybody to buy this. Like I can't say that. I can't prove that. Right. And they're they're a very clinical company. They're not emotional. You know, they're very clinical and data driven. So I don't know. They, I, I, I was completely blackballed in Hollywood, all right? I only had one offer um, besides the Daily Wire, and it was a place I didn't want it. It was a good offer. It was yeah. actually more money, but it was a place that I didn't want it, and I couldn't do anything with it later. So I, you know, I, I and then all of a sudden, you know, we get this deal with the Daily Wire. We got a, a tremendous deal, all right? We made money and have the opportunity to make more money. And you, you, you did go with the daily wire I went with the daily wire. Okay. Because they promised to put episode one on YouTube and, uh, they did. And they also put it on Twitter. So, I mean, we have 10 million views in the last 14 days Oh, nice. of this thing. And yesterday it became the number one, uh, documentary TV program in the world on Rotten Tomatoes, which I've never had happen in my life. It's like a massive, massive event for us. It's a, a, like, one of the best days of my career right. today, w waking up to that. So, um, but it tells the whole story and it's really gripping and it's really good. And it's really pissing off at all the Steven supporters because they knew some of this stuff in the film was wrong. They're way past that. They're like, Oh, this is old news. This is five year old news. Well, not for the general public. It is. Yeah. But it almost didn't happen because I didn't, now that I think about it. Okay. And I'm just arbitrarily mentioning a network. So I'm a, say I'm a buyer at Hulu. And I see this and I'm like, uh, wow, that's really powerful. Of course it's going to work. That person's thinking, you know, they, they revolve networks all the time. They, they change jobs all the time. Do they want to be the one who did that to Netflix when right. Netflix looked like, looked like it was going to dominate the industry and everybody's going to work there. They're not going to be able to get a job there. So like it's a matter of self-preservation. So, I would say it's it's funny that people make that they're not making the best decision. What's best in the best decision for the public or for the network or for their they, shareholders? Or for, right, that exactly it's that they the that they're really the represent. It's, it's I'm their self, this, own self-interest. Right. Yep, that's what I. That's in my opinion. You know, so I'm not saying we offered it to Hulu or talked to Hulu. I'm just using an arbitrary name. I could have said Roku. I could have said Apple. Right. You know. Uh, one, we were very close to a deal with a huge player and they were like, you know, we just feel like this is Netflix's brand and that's why they didn't do it. They were fine with pissing them off cause they're a huge rival, but they're like, yeah, it feels like we're nipping their brand. Right. And I go, well, they, they laid it on a golden platter for us. We have to, you know, we have to correct the record for the sake of the industry. So when the daily wire came along, we thought we were talking to Fox. Okay. Because my agent said, this, make a, make screeners on Vimeo and write, you know, episode one, Fox, so two Fox. We sent them to this guy, Dallas Sonier, who made Dragged Across Concrete and Cell Block 99, all that. He, he made all these, like, you know. Gritty. Yeah, real down to earth yeah, yeah. Uh, films, you know. Um, and we thought he was working with Fox Nation. And I thought, oh, Fox, that would be, they don't mind pissing people off. You know, right. This is great. And he goes, you know what? I, th I think we can do this. Let's talk. And I go, oh, great. Um, I'll come to New York. He goes, New York. He goes, you know, come to Nashville. I go, what? Oh, I, Fox isn't, he goes, we're not Fox, we're Daily Wire. Well, I, I've been a Daily Wire subscriber since I started. Right. I, um, I drink that Kool-Aid. I, I I buy their razors. <laughs> you know, they, I buy everything. I'm, I'm, I was a Candace Owens fan for years. They go, we're thinking Candace Owens. I'm like, you're kidding me. So 
they were, I was like, oh, you want a narrator? Because it's usually in docs, you don't, the, the, the subjects are the narrators. They're yeah. talking and you're covering it. With yeah, I, that's actually, that's the way I like. I really yeah. don't like the narrated version. I didn't, much. but I do now. Okay. I do now because all, what she's doing is offering a layer of commentary and the viewer can take it or leave it. Right. But it's, it, it offers some clarity. She gets to reemphasize points. It's a lot easier on us that she'll reemphasize things that we would have to recap and possibly people would feel a redundancy. That's right. a big, you know, why am I seeing this again? But we want to make sure they got the point. She can just say it so clean and easy. So I, I have no regrets now in going with them, but I had to go down and meet with her and her team over two days, I think 14 hours. And uh, she just watched everything. And she's like one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. She she went to a whiteboard and she said, here, I'm going to fix it. I was like, oh boy. Because I had Brenda on my iPad, the, the producer of our program, who's put thousands, Brenda Schuller, she put tens of thousands of hours of research into this. And I was like, Brenda's, Brenda's going to go nuts. You know, we can't change this right now. But Brenda and I were very close to it. And we didn't realize that Maybe the order in which we were telling it wasn't that great. Candace goes to a whiteboard, just like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting, and says, <laughs> she's writing for a while. And I'm holding the iPad, Brenda's watching, and I'm sitting there, and I was like, oh. And then I'm looking, and I'm like, okay, Brenda's going to kill me, because this makes perfect sense, what she just wrote on this whiteboard. Right. She did fix it. And Brenda goes, yeah, I get it. I was like, holy moly. And Candace said, yeah, I'll do it. And- now, taking the, the arrows and bullets that are flying at me right now, from I, I have 20 mean tweets every like five minutes. So that's, that's probably a good thing. I mean, at least mentions. <laughs> I'll say mentions, not direct tweets. Um, yeah, it's a good thing. Heat is a good thing. But like, who's more fearless than Candace Owens? You know what I mean? And who's more, who, who doesn't give a crap about Hollywood more than the Daily Wire? So this is like a gift from God. Now I know that this is all meant to be, and those, you know, now it's number one to the Rotten Tomatoes. Every buyer who passed on it sitting there scratching their head, like, how on earth can this be number one when it's on a streamer with a million subscribers, you know? But it's because they put the, they, they put it out free, two episodes for free uh, to the public and, and they're responding. And it's just, people need to know the truth. Um. Do you are you still looking for more material or more stuff or you you have tons of projects in the pipeline? We have a lot of projects in the pipeline, but I need to get away from murder, man. So I'm doing one on I'm doing one on YouTube reactors. I'm fascinated by YouTube reactors. What is that root YouTube reactors? People who who a lot of times it's 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 young people of color who are watching like white people music and they're like, this isn't that bad. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Like um so oh, that's gosh. Stuff what's his name uh the the white guy that raps he's got tattoos on his face oh they look no, no the, the other one uh, i know who you're talking about Gosh. the other one I know, he's I, yes I, I just watched it i just watched him yesterday Where's he kind of rants he does yeah. jess what's the what's the <laughs> this is my wife what's the white guy he's got tattoos he raps Tom McDonald. Tom McDonald. She went and wrote that. Yep. He's, he's, she, he, she's, she's, usually she says, I love him. Well, and then these young, <laughs> these young, yeah. uh, young black folks are making these reaction videos like, oh my God, this dude can write verses. You yeah. know, like they're like, this is all true. That's the authenticity is what, ripped, yeah, resonates. What, what yeah, plowed Eminem through that brick wall. Right. You know, the authenticity, they won't argue with authenticity. People, fans won't argue with that. It doesn't matter what you look like. But anyway, re, so there are YouTube reactors who react to everything, a lot of political stuff, a lot of sports stuff. And I watch it and I'm like, why do I enjoy watching this? Why did I just, why is it 11 at night and I was going to go to sleep at nine? Right. And I watched two hours of these reactors. So I've approached startups, big ones, in talks with a really big one who may or may not be fighting in England next month. Um, so uh, we're, we've got like, I'm going to make this movie called reactors showing people who make $12 a month and people who make 12 million a month and their lives and how it, and, and, and why, why do I want to know why we love this so much and is it bringing people together? It may be. So I'm fascinated by it. So reactors will be something I finish in about 18 months. 
We've got a movie coming very soon called Mr. Football about a guy who would have been an NFL Hall of Famer and uh, got caught up in a crime and, and, and got a felony murder charge because the guy he was doing a robbery with got killed. Right. And uh, – his name was Ray Williams, and uh, it happened at Benedictine High School in North Olmsted. Uh, I'm sorry, in Cleveland, and um, that's going to be a fantastic movie. Um, I've got one called "The Killing of Sister Dorothy," which is a four-part docu series that's done. We're not trying to. It's it's about the killing of the nuns in El Salvador in 1980. Oh, okay. It's not what um, I'm saying. Yeah, um, that's a, it's. We have all these tapes of her telling the story of the victim. So she narrates her own movie. That's, oh, that's another case yeah. of narration. That's gonna, an incredible project, but nobody's buying anything right now. Even with a writer's strike, it's just a really, nobody knows if they're gonna have their job next month. So we're just kind of waiting it out. And uh, But the Killing a Sister Dorothy is probably awards worthy. And it was made by uh, some guys I empowered named the Earhart Brothers, the th three brothers who were filmmakers. And I, I just produced it. But that'll be coming out soon, and uh, we're just always churning out original content for True Blue, the uh, the crime streamer. So, okay, I um when I was uh, when I was incarcerated, mm -hmm. I wrote like twenty, like basically two dozen synopses for different guys, and I got some guys in like Rolling Stone magazine. I got two book deals, you know, and then I got so out. So you're like Seth. Ex ex yeah exactly when he got out before me and he also went you know where i thought hey i'll just option the stories and i'll you know do tr a true crime podcast that sort of thing no, I he told actually, him the spec model yeah I, he actually I, I sent him the paperwork what you give a lender how you how they're going to make money i've never I, I, nobody's ever lost a penny on one of my films right. he bumped into obviously he ended up with you mm -hmm. And went, you know, and started making these himself. A lot of a lot of people in Hollywood can't say what I'm about to say, and this isn't this isn't ego. This is this is my resume. All right, this is business. I, I have to say this because I need people to to back my projects. No one's ever lost money backing right. an entertainment project with me. I've had a business fail in the past, okay, but no mm -hmm. one's ever lost money backing one of our entertainment projects because factual programming doesn't need marketing dollars. You get this earned media right okay because you have interesting interesting true stories to tell that people want to hear and the other thing is i've never failed to clear a project that we finished and in hollywood what does that mean clear means get it on the air on major airways okay uh, or on a major streamer almost everything i made has been on netflix stuff's been on showtime uh on uh stars foxtel over in australia and england <clears throat> we've never failed to clear something. And like, if I go to Hollywood and go to a restaurant, make a reservation, everybody there is trying to be an actor, trying to be in the business. They always IMDB you before you get there. All right. And I walk in, they treat me like some fat slob from Cleveland. They treat me like royalty because it's like, oh my God, everything this dude's done and this two foot resume, everything he's done is cleared. He doesn't have any development projects in here. He doesn't have any stalled projects in here. Right. Like, so um, yeah, am I proud of it? Yeah. But I mean, I say it more as like, we're a solid, a solid investment. We don't really sell stock. We just, we do debt-based financing. So we, if somebody makes a loan, they get the first dollars back until they're repaid. And then they get half of the profit pro rata. And we get the other half um, as a form of royalties in lieu of interest. And it's a, it's a, now everybody's on house money. They've got all their money back. They're just reinvesting profits and they're making money hand over fist. It's a great, I taught Seth that that deal, and it, and and it works. And if you're a player, if you go on Netflix once, you're a player. Right. So you're never going to not get three hundred grand a finished hour for for good work. Yeah, you can. That's and that's like the floor. You can get way more than that. You know, we make millions now uh, on on projects, and that's um, thank God we're in that situation. But the reason I am tearing apart making a murder is like if there are a lot more making a murderers coming down the pipe where they are going to manipulate people using uh, narrative filmmaking techniques, they're going to kill it for all of us because no one's going to watch our stuff. That's why we have to have a voluntary code of ethics and stick to some rules. Um, well, I was going to say the, the, the service. So what is it? you you just advertise the service and you've got, you've got a, is it 24 hours? You just, it's available. Is it kind of like a Netflix type it's thing? Netflix, you, have so to, you just pay, it's, it's less than $5 a month. There's hundreds of movies. There's a new predator every week, basically. Um, we've got a show called Iron Sheriff coming out. We have a show called uh, uh, 
a police shootout show, are, real are life these, called Cops Under Fire. Are these just your projects, yeah. or are you buying proj- uh, docs or doc series from other people too? No, we bought we bought movies from other people. Okay, to make sure to make sure our viewers are fully satiated and they never run out of stuff to watch. But ninety five percent of our viewership is Chris Hansen. Okay, that's all they want. Uh, so they're all plan- there. Are you planning on continuing to put more docs on the series? Yeah, we put, we're going to put more docs in the series because when we have our network, which starts October 24th on Roku, we have to have 8% fresh content per day. Okay. And f- free ad supported television, fast channels, you know, like cable that you don't pay for right. is the future. And um, they have new rules. Like I used to go to a, like a fast channel and I'd watch a seven minute asthma infomercial and i'm like what the hell is this this sucks and i tuned out and i was never going to do it again now we're only allowed to have two minutes of commercials there has to be a countdown on it so people know when you're coming back you have to have 10 minutes of content between commercials i love the countdown yep you have to have eight eight percent fresh content every day so you can't do what they call a wheel you can't keep repeating stuff so it's fast channels are just like antenna tv it's like having cable for free Without the FCC involved. Yeah, but where do you keep getting that content, that new content? We have to churn it out, man. I've got 40 filmmakers. <laughs> I've got 40 filmmakers. And we we are we are and we also are gonna license our content. There there are people talking to us right now. Pluto's talking to us right now about licensing a bunch of our stuff for their for their crime channels. So that's fine. We'll do that. It's not gonna hurt us. Right. You know? So yeah, it's 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 a great model. And then, and then if somebody sees a takedown episode of a 70 year old trying to buy a 13 year old girl from her stepdad and they're like, Oh my God. And he go, and they go to work and they're at the water cooler and five people want to watch it. It may not be on the free channel for a month. They could pay $4 and 99 cents, watch a commercial free, watch 40 more commercial free, 150, 200 movies. And they realize what a value that is. So it's going to drive people to the subscription service. Too. Right. Well, we got to put the the links and everything in like the description. We'll put the I'll put all your your links to the in the description box. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's watchtrublu.com. That's where they sign up. But then they could. There's an Apple app, a Fire Stick app, uh, Roku, uh, Android, iPad. You know, uh, i iPhone. You can watch it on any device. Yeah, I. I was just gonna say, um, I so. With Fox News, when Tucker Carlson was there, I actually had gotten out and was in the halfway house. And I was actually in the middle of a, a lawsuit for someone uh, suing somebody uh, that I'd written a book for. And he'd sued, he had ended up suing Warner Brothers, and I was suing him. And he basically, I was in prison with this guy. I wrote his, I wrote a memoir for him that he then got out and he sued Warner Brothers because it was the, the main character in the movie, War Dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, is named Jonah Hill. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, that's Jonah Hill played Ephraim Devaroli in the in the movie uh, War Dogs. Well, I was in prison with Ephraim Devaroli and I wrote his memoir. Well, he got the memoir, got out, published it, and sued Warner Brothers saying they stole his his you know intellectual property. Anyway, and I got out, I was suing him, but I actually had written a book. And I know you said you want to get away from murders, but and I'm not really pitching you, but it, it has to do with Tucker Carlson where the lawyer that represented me for the war dogs lawsuit used to work for Tucker Carlson. And so he read, he had read my book and he read another book that I had, um, I had written. So, and it was called, it's called, um, uh, it's called a devil exposed. And basically it's about a drug dealer that was in California that was bribing or paying two FBI officers. One was an FBI officer. One was a CI who told him he was an FBI officer. Like he had a badge and everything. They were crooked and they're paying them and they end up ordering the murder of two CIs that were in this guy's organization. So they're paying them one to quash cases. Like one of his couriers gets busted with five pounds of meth. He ends up saying, hey, man, this is what's going on. He just got arrested. Four days later, they let him out. They get him out. Like they say, he's working for us. You got to let him out, you know, because they're in front. And it's a drug kind of task force they're under. And 
this is in the 80s, ni- early 90s. And he- It's the freeway, freeway Rick Ross era. Right, right. He's a friend of mine. So they end up, so this guy ends up getting, he gets in trouble a couple of times, gets arrested. They get him out right away. He's out. Well, they, they would also tell him, like they'd go to him and say, hey, I got the name of this guy. We're dealing with him. Is he okay? And they'd come back. They'd say, uh-uh. He's working. He was busted six months ago. He's working with the DEA. So these types of things are happening. Uh, but so, but it's work. It's a working, you know, organization. And what ends up happening is two guys end up being informants, but the informants know that these guys find out that the informants are working with local cops and telling them that Rossini, my guy, has two uh, FBI agents on the payroll. They find this out. They basically give the order to kill those guys. You got to get rid of these guys. Well, these two guys get murdered. The two two FBI C, uh, FBI informants get murdered. This is a very you know streamlined version. They get murdered. Rossini and his buddies get arrested. His, all of his buddies say Rossini did it. He murdered him. Then they start failing polygraphs, and then they say, "Okay, fine, I murdered him." But Rossini ordered the murder. Rossini gets he gets arrested. He pleads guilty. Uh, gets like forty years. These guys are, are going to trial. And so Rossini's in prison and the U.S. prosecutor and the FBI, lead FBI agent come and inv- talk to him. They're like, you got 40 years. We'll cut your sentence if you tell us what really happened. You know, these guys said you ordered the murders. And he's like, I didn't order the murders. And so he says, listen, OK, fine. But you have to give me a sentence reduction and not based on the fact that you take it into consideration. I want a guaranteed letter that if I talk to you about this. You will cut my sentence. And they say, okay, absolutely, we'll do that. We'll do that. No problem. I've never seen any of these. I don't know if you know anything about that. I don't even system. know how that's legal. I will. A, a judge would have to sign off on that, right? No, the the U, the head U.S. attorney can sign off on it. Okay. And he did because he was the one interviewing him. And that was Robert Mueller. Wow. So Robert Mueller came out to Leavenworth, interviewed Rossini multiple times with an FBI agent. Were you locked up with Rossini? Yeah, I wrote his whole book. And listen, okay. I even I'll give you the website. I have all the information on a website. So this whole thing. So in the end, what it's I don't bore you and go into it. In the end, they try and renege on the deal because Mueller becomes FBI director. They try and renege on the deal. So he doesn't have that in his past. Right. right. Well, one one of by the way, when Mueller filled out his application, like to be FBI director, one of the things he says that he uses my buddy's case is one of the like eight cases he prosecuted. A, one of them is this guy's. So anyway, one Mueller covers up the fact that he, I mean, not that he interviewed him, but what he said. So he, because basically it's, I, I won't get into it. Robert Mueller basically lied about a bunch of stuff. The FBI agent lied about a bunch of stuff. Mueller destroyed his, 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 um, his notes. What Mueller didn't want to happen was for it to come out that two FBI, uh, two FBI agents were corrupt and working with these guys. He didn't want that. He didn't want that known. Now there's newspaper articles about it and everything. And these guys, by the way, both of these guys in the middle of it took uh, a disability uh, retirement. So they retire. So which is very common, you know, that happened in Scarpa and all these big cases. As soon as it came out, the guy's corrupt. He takes a, he takes a retirement. Uh, so anyway, I have this whole case and then they do eventually, by the way, what they didn't realize was that Rossini had a copy of the letter. So he does get his sentence reduced multiple times. Eventually he ends up, they put Mueller on the stand. Mueller lies on the stand. There's all of these things that Mueller did. And I have this whole book. And I get out and I'm in the halfway house and I start pitching the book and you know, I've got the book up and I'm telling people about it. And I end up telling my attorney who used to work for Tucker Carlson. He reads the book. He comes back and he says, this is amazing. This is in the middle of the Russia investigation. So Trump is, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Robert Mueller is the special counsel. And so uh, Tucker Carlson they end up putting an investigator on it. He investigates the whole thing. He calls me up. We talk for 20 minutes here, an hour here, five minutes here. He's asking questions. I'm sending him here, telling him this. 
And he comes back and he's, it goes, apparently it went up to Tucker and they were like, look, we want to fly you in and do an interview with you on the whole thing. I'm like, great, super excited. I mean, I'm in the halfway house. I'm like, I'll be out of the halfway house in like a month. So I'm excited. Seems like it's going to happen. They're just still checking on it. And they come back and they say, listen, we, they put, they thought about it and they thought, listen, it's just too hot. They said, the fact is, is that let's face it. You're a guy who was in prison for fraud. I'm like, yeah, I'm a guy who was in prison for fraud, but I've also got articles in, you know, Rolling Stone. I've got articles in the Atlantic talking about me. Forbes has done stuff on me being a true crime writer. The Atlantic talks about me being a true crime writer. I've got all these books out like, and, and they're like, I know it's just, it's questionable. Like these documents, who knows if these documents are real? I, I'm like, I can't go back in time. These were filed in federal court. 20 years ago. Like I didn't forge that document 20 years ago. This is what happened. Oh, they were just, they were just coming up with excuses for right. why they had no backbone. So then what happened was they, they end up a couple weeks go by, they put another guy or they think they go and they do it again, go back to Tucker. And eventually Tucker says, listen, it's too hot right now. This guy, they lo everybody loves this guy. Like I just can't, we just can't do it. Like it's too, it's just too much. So they end up not doing it and it never ended up happening, you know, and, uh, man, it was upsetting. It was so funny as my buddy Rossini, because of, because of the second chance act and all the credits that these, uh, these credits that they give you and everything, he actually got like a year and a half off of his sentence. He's actually in a halfway house in Orlando right now. Wow. It's just super. And so he's actually, it's like for the first so time. So many people are alive to talk to. <sighs> Mueller's not going to sit down. No. Know that we have transcripts of, of Mueller. I would, he got him on the stand. So you have the transcripts of him. It'd be nice if there was video. God, but the key to a good documentary it, it, is access to the subject. You know what's funny is there actually is. Would Rossini do it? Or Rossini would do it. But here's the thing. There is, Robert Mueller didn't go to the courtroom. He was video recorded at the FBI headquarters. So it was a video recording. So yeah, there may, may be that video. May exist, yeah. Maybe. FOIA. Yeah. But the federal FOIA is now taking three years. So <sighs> file it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, you don't listen. I have all the docs. I have all the documents on a website right now. Mm -hmm. So the whole book is broken down. I have two books. I have one book that's a, a it's kind of like a, it, it, one book is like a full book. And the one is really just about kind of the case. And that book corresponds with every document, uh, every transcript, every DEA six, every FBI, uh, you know, 302, every single um, interview everything on the entire case, including the letter uh, in the, on the entire case. And it's all on a website uh, that I have. So yeah, it's, I mean, I think there's probably there's, uh, on, you that's, know, a, that's a series. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. The two guys that committed the murders uh, are actually just got out probably a year ago when out they, of federal prison. Talk? I mean, probably feel uh, probably. Yeah. Listen, most of these guys are still available. If you read the book, it's, it's it's just insanity. It's insanity, and all of them, and all these guys are out of prison. I think the bulk of them will will talk. Uh, I know Rossini will. Mm -hmm. You know, he's super smart, very articulate. Hey, I, 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 that sounds like a good. I have a pretty good eye for projects. I mean, I, that sounds like a I'll, good project to me. I'll send you the. I'll send you the book. You know, okay. it's and uh, it. the website and the whole. And I ha and if you if you know anymore, if you want to read just the synopsis first, mm -hmm. I have like a ten thousand word synopsis on the website just so that you could read it and be and go. Okay, I understand. Then I've actually got the book too. Right. You, if you want to go for the blow by blow, sounds like a lot of work. I mean, it sounds like you did a lot of work, but we we need to. Uh, uh, do you have the time to produce it? I wouldn't even know how to produce something. No, you'd be the one wrangling the people. Talking oh yeah, to them, I'm sure. Saying, do this, please do this. I, I'm the producer. Yeah, get him to. It has to be yours. Go here. You know, and it has to be yours and mine. If I do it, it right. can't just be mine. They're like, ah, Rick Worshi. Stephen Avery, like, uh, you know, they, they may not, it may, it may not mean anything to them. You know right. what I mean? So, it, but if there's somebody they know asking them, that makes a difference. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll get you the stuff and see Send what you think. Stuff. You might read it and say, what's this guy talking about? No, there's so much going on there. It sounds like like four, four hours. And, and honestly, that, that's a huge problem with Rossini. Like, you know, you've dealt with people when it's their story 
They know every single little thing and they think everything is important and it's important, but it's like, let's uh, streamline this because yeah, I can't do. He, he has to let us, it has to track. Right. Or viewers won't watch it. So it's got it. It's good. You got to satisfy certain emotions every several minutes. Yeah. He has a very hard time just answering, you know, just understanding that and he's like, and the reason that happened is, be, and then he goes off on a tangent. I'm yeah, like, stop, brevity, stop. brevity, brevity. Right. I say that all the time. It has to be a has to be a trailer soundbite. How are you, how can you say that in eight words? You know, right. I'll just say say it again, say it again about ten times, and they get frustrated, and then they get mad, and they're like, basically, he wasn't in the car. Right. Thank you. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. Know? Let's it's move like, on. To, right. Yeah, but you have to sometimes frustrate him to get the line in, in a usable way that it's not the, the audience is going to fall asleep on their iPad laying in bed. All right. Well, cool. I will. Yeah. I will get you that and. This seems okay. worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> no, and we execute, man. We don't. Th we don't have meetings, and they're not Hollywood. Oh we yeah, don't do I, eight yeah. meetings and and not pay you, and then yeah. well, yeah, we're gonna get. I'm gonna get. Yeah, let, let me talk to do Jim. That thing. We're gonna do that thing. Let me talk to Bob. You know, we're gonna have a meeting. They get fired. We're about to do it, and they get fired. And, you know, and then it's a new guy. Oh, what is this? You know, and you're like, oh fuck, I just wasted two years of my life. Hey, I appreciate you guys watching the video. Check the description box uh, for all of the links to True Blue and to the YouTube link. And I really appreciate you guys watching. Thank you very much. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks for having me. This was great. All right. And see ya.